Welcome to the Break New Ground podcast. My name is Luis Prado, a.k.a. B-Boy El Prado. And today we have a very special guest with us. We have a local business owner. We have a uh, supporter of the San Diego hip-hop community. And we have a clothing brand creator. We have Russell from Human Catalyst. Welcome. Thank you very much. Um, just before we get started, I also wanted to give a quick shout-out to Jason from Good Vibe Tribe Studios for letting us use his space to record the podcast from now moving forward. It's cool to have a place to uh, record consistently, and I think, if anything, that's what we needed the most to get these podcasts recording a little more frequently. So, Russell, again, thank you. Thank you for coming out. Um, for those of you that don't know who he is, he is someone that's consistently out at b-boy events in the community. He's showing up to jams. He's uh, pushing out his clothing. He's sponsoring events, ultimately, by providing prizes. Um, I met him two years ago at the Battle of the Bull 3 event that I was throwing out here in Chula Vista. Uh, he showed up right before the jam started, and he gave me like four prize packs of shirts. And he was just like, "Yeah, give him out his prizes." And he just left. And and that was like that was crazy because uh, I was actually feeling like I didn't have enough prizes that day. So everything kind of fell in line. And then he supported the jam this year that I held uh, in Barrio Logan, the Force and Finesse Volume One Jam. And he was a vendor there, and he also provided prizes there as well. So, man, you've just been supporting like everything that comes out in San Diego, and I really appreciate that. <clears throat> so, have you listened to the podcast before? I did, I did. So, the way this goes is pretty much we get into the process, the creative process, and I feel like you're a really good guest to have on the podcast because what you do is all creativity. You make clothing. Um, <clears throat> the coolest part, I think, that about, about what you're doing is that you make clothing, and it seems very selfless because you're making it for the community. A lot of b-boys like Dino Rock, like Jihad, are rocking your clothes consistently. And, like, I don't feel like enough brands are doing that. Like, very select individuals are doing this. So I really wanted to get you on to kind of get into that process and talk about what it's like on your end. So right off the bat, just tell me, who is Russell, and, and what do you describe what you do as a creator and as an artist? Uh, my name is Russell Takashima. I'm the owner of Human Catalyst. Um, and I guess, like, I guess what was the question, like, what? What do you do as a creator and as an artist? How do you describe what you do? I guess what I do first and foremost, um, I'm a graphic designer by trade, but I have a clothing brand, and um, I guess I'm also a store owner. Well, I have a shop. I, I have a clothing brand that's housed out of a shop um, in Third Avenue in downtown Chula Vista, and then, um, but mainly I'm an artist. I'm an artist who works at having a shop, if that makes sense, yeah, and yeah. having a clothing brand. But at the at the basic foundation, I'm an artist. Okay. Um, and where did you get the inspiration to start Human Catalyst? You know, I've always been interested in clothing, like, ever since I was young. Um, I used to be into, like, skating. Uh, growing up, you know, you're into hip-hop. Yeah. So, like, I was into... Like, back then, there wasn't really a... There wasn't really clothing brands, per se. Like, a lot of it was just the style of dress. So, like, if you were down with hip-hop, you wore a certain style. That's why, like, there's those terms like baggy pants and... Yeah sagging, things like that. I mean, it's just been like the style of hip-hop. So I've always been into that. I've always been into the music, the culture, and all the facets that go along with it. So like skateboarding, um, they have a lot of hip-hop roots. Uh, I was into breaking back in the days. Um, back then, there was also like grooving. I don't even know if that still exists now. Yeah, but, very rare. Um, you know, it was like a whole movement. And then um, we were into that. We were into cars. We were into just hanging out, you know? Yeah. Um, so Human Catalyst is a really cool name, by the way. Like, oh, when thank I you. first heard that, I was like, what? Like, 
That's crazy. The word catalyst, you know, you associate it with like science and stuff. Yeah. But to put it on a brand and make it work like that, I was like, damn, that's it's tight. I think B-Boy Rain introduced me to it because he had the, the cumin tea. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was, that was really tight. Um, and like, I don't, I personally don't know the meaning behind it. So is there a particular uh, way that you would describe what human catalyst is? Or is there a particular meaning behind the name? There is like, first and foremost, um, the key word of it is, well, I guess there's two. But human meaning like a person, and then catalyst is like in science, it creates change. So put it together like human catalyst, it's about people that have the ability to cause change. Um, Maybe change in interest, change in uh, showing them things that they've never seen before. And um, maybe a different take on it to kind of alter the way they thought, you know. So um, a lot of times I'll do that through clothing. I'll do that through the way that I market my clothes. Um, like a lot of times, a lot of people use uh, like sex, drugs, yeah. things like that. Like especially in streetwear, that's kind of what they push. But for me, I'm completely different. Um, it's been a lot harder to get followers that way. Like I don't have like naked girls all over my IG and things like that. Yeah. But um, I feel like it's a more honest way. So it's kind of like a change even in my field to show people that you can still grow without um, without doing it the conventional way, I suppose. Right, you're sticking to your guns ultimately yeah. in the process. <clears throat> so do you see Human Catalyst as being exclusively a clothing brand, or do you see it existing as, as an idea, as like as a movement, if you want to say, or have you ever had the idea to push it to that degree? Yeah, I mean, with a name like Human Catalyst, you're approached by so many uh, like community people, right. and they they want you to participate in the community. Uh, first and foremost, like that's part of the reason why I chose Chula Vista right. for my store. I'm from Chula Vista. I never had anything like that. Um, a lot of people don't really like shout out Chula Vista as being a a place of interest. That's, so I mean, that's very true, yeah. I'm proud of Chula Vista. That's where I'm from. So when I uh, a lot of the a lot of the people that live in Chula Vista, especially in downtown, they don't necessarily have the income to um, to go to like shop in downtown or North Park, things like that. So I made my clothes affordable for the community and I wanted it very accessible. Um, And on that note, I mean, community-wise, like I've always supported community movements um, and interests like that. But at the same time, clothing is what, uh, I guess, keeps the lights on and everything. And hopefully with the community's uh, support, I can give back. So like the more the community helps, the more I can give back to the community. Which is really interesting that you bring up the note of Chula Vista because that's very true. Like when you think about community and in the grand scheme of San Diego, Chula Vista does not come at the very top, you know? And uh, even in terms of events, there's not a lot happening in Chula Vista. I think right now with all the movement going on in downtown Chula Vista, with all the stuff that's popping up now, more people are finally getting around to like checking things out. But you're right when you say like, Chula Vista has never been seen like as a hub of having things. It's just it's kind of on the back end. Everyone thinks North Park, everyone thinks North San Diego, but nobody ever looks at Chula Vista as being like a place for hip hop specifically. Uh, yeah, um, definitely. And when, uh, when I started Battle at the Bowl, that was kind of my idea too, to bring hip hop back to Chula Vista. And had I known that at the very start, like five years ago, I think I would have definitely reached out to you before, uh, before Battle at the Bowl 3 as well. Um, and you mentioned that you have a shop front here in Chula Vista. It's on 3rd Avenue, uh, right in the middle of downtown. Um, having a physical shop, does, that's, that's kind of different and not something that all online vendors do. 
you also have an online store. Um, and how, what do you see as the differences between that? So having a storefront versus doing things online, and which do you prefer? How does that change your process? Having a store online, you're just kind of this invisible uh, company. Right. Like, you know, you order things online, but all you're doing is seeing pictures. You don't even know, like, who's behind it. Right. I mean, for all you know, like, you have you have no idea what you're supporting. So, I mean, that's cool. And But also on the end of the company, you don't really know these customers. Like, you don't know who they are and, like, what they're about. So I think the biggest change when I had the actual retail store was the human connection to the people. Like, um, I would get people that came in, and I, I always knew them by, like, a screen name or an email address, but, like, I had no idea um, who they were. And then you find out, like, you know, um, their life story, things about them, you know, hardships, things that uh, they go through, and then you realize, like, these customers, you've, you've actually made friendships, you know? Right. And that's a lot different than being online. Online is very robotic, um, I think, in a perfect world. I, I think that, unfortunately, a lot of times, like, things have changed where a lot of it is online, but um, you can't replace the human connection of meeting people and... Um, just showing appreciation to them yeah. back and forth. <clears throat> and I think the thing about uh, being online is that it's a lot easier to market online nowadays because everybody has Instagram, everybody has access to a computer, to a smartphone, versus marketing in, in, for a storefront, it's, it's a lot harder to get people to like, post flyers or, or go out to an event, put your logo on a flyer. So I could see the trade-off. You know? uh, I think if I were to be a shop owner too, I think I'd prefer having people come into the store but if anything, like the ease of sale of being online is definitely something that you would look forward to to make money. Um, do you think it's important for you personally to connect with your customers and to see who's coming in? Or do you just have kind of um, like no preference in regards to how, how things are done? No, I definitely prefer like having the personal connection. When I first started, um, I think a lot of things have changed, but when I first started, it was my intention to appear as this giant company. Right. I mean, it was just me. Like, I had help from my family and things like that, but um, this was just me, like a one-man operation. But I had to pretend that I was, like, just as big as these other brands. Right. So, um, and a lot has changed. I think that, like, nowadays, people appreciate knowing who's behind it. So, I mean, every, every customer that's come in like, I've really gotten to know them. I mean, very few that, like, don't approach conversation at all. But, you know, some of them stay, like, a lot longer than they were planning to. But um, I've had a lot of great conversations. I kind of feel like having the retail shop, you know, it's, it's really about communications and, like, meeting the community, the customers. And I feel like the clothing in itself is basically a souvenir of Ooh, the experience. Okay. Ooh, that's you really know? tight, actually. Damn, that's really cool. Um, so how did you come across going to b-boy events? Like when did you start coming out and deciding to be a vendor at these events? So what happened is um, I happened to, well, there's two things. So like I happened to come across Dino and Piggy. They came to the store. Um, and they were just looking around like, what is this about? So again, like that conversation, you know, I think was like two hours long. I got to know them. They got to know me. And um, we had a lot of similar interests. And then... At the same time, they were uh, working with an organization called Made in Paradise Hills, like showcasing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
So um, I was also connected to, to them through Snois um, out in Spring Valley. So I would see them at events and be like, oh, hey, how's it going? And we kind of built that connection. And then my daughter is usually with me. Um, and she was really blown away by seeing them perform. Um, and if you've seen Cypher State, they also have a lot of uh, kids that break with them. So my daughter, like, it op like they were the catalyst to her into breakdancing. So like, um, when she saw it, she was so interested in it, and she said, I want to do that. And I said, oh my gosh, like, I have the connection to them. Yeah. So I talked to them, my daughter signed up for some classes with them, and um, you know, she's lost interest in breaking. Uh, she's pursuing other avenues right now, right. but uh, you know, the connection I made to all the breakers and through Dino and Piggy and just the culture of it, uh, I was so impressed, like I stuck around, you know? Mm, that's tight. And uh, I figured that's how it had happened because I saw a dino of all people always wearing clothing. Yeah. Like every session, every time he was teaching class, he had a human catalyst shirt on. And I was like, oh, it's tight. Where is that coming out? Then I saw Rain and I was like, dude, Rain has a shirt? Like, what's going on? What am I missing? And then I finally, like, I finally caught on and I was like, I got to get my own. And I, the first time I got anything was that hoodie, the green hoodie. Oh, Which, yeah. By the way, it's one of my favorites. I'm waiting for it to get cold again. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, so you said that uh, being a part of the Bebo community has expanded you to all these things um, and, and you've decided to stick around. Uh, what does it make you feel personally when you see a lot of b-boys wearing your clothing at jams? I'm pretty blown away because, you know, like I said, I used to dance um, again back in the days. It was called grooving. Shout out G-Bros, you know. Um, but, yeah, like that was our crew. That's what we did. But now to see all of you guys, like what you do, I mean, I don't want to like... Uh, date myself, but damn, you guys are doing stuff that like we never even imagined, and it's like so amazing. I guess the what do you call it? The athleticism of everything you guys do. I'm just blown away. So I mean, actually, by having a booth, I get like front row seats. Oh, that's, that's you know, and and that's pretty cool. But also, just all the people that I've met, um, all the breakers that have stopped by the booth, and like, what is this about? Those conversations. I mean. The irreplaceable. It's like again, the same thing. It's not really about um, how much stuff I sell at the events or anything like that. I just, I really support the community because everyone's like, it's very multicultural. And also, I think that the sportsmanship of it is very impressive. Um, I always wonder, like, man, are they going to get mad when they battle? Like, is there going to be a fight? But like, everyone shakes hands and like, that's the weirdest thing to me, you know? Yeah. I guess like, coming from seeing that kind of stuff like on the streets, right. it doesn't always end up in a happy place. Yeah, I know. But battles um, today are really cool. The people are really nice. Um, no, there's a lot to be proud of from that community. And I think that's, that's sometimes maybe very exclusive to San Diego because if you go to LA, it's definitely a different story. Um, everything there is a lot more aggressive, I feel like. I think people definitely battle over there with the intention of like really wanting to send a message. Sometimes it's not a positive message, but here in San Diego, I think we're very fortunate to have everybody be kind of on the same page. Everybody's kind of friendly. I think, if anything, the battles that do get very heated are when anybody comes from out of town, and they're like, they don't really know each other, they don't know what's up. And I think when it gets to that point, it's like, oh, okay, like, they're probably not going to get in a fight, but it's cool seeing something get heated. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. After like, everybody's shaking hands, like, oh, like, they're starting to talk trash to each other. That's interesting. Um, 
One thing that I think we should have probably talked on in the beginning was, I don't know how long Human Catalyst has been around. When did you start? So I started it uh, six years ago. Um, I guess basically I, I know the exact date because um, as I was having my, my daughter, I was at an ultrasound, like looking at the screen of um, like the little computer image of my daughter and my wife's stomach, you know? Yeah. And then um, I was working for a company out in New York doing t-shirt design. Okay. So uh, I worked remotely and then the phone rang, I picked it up, looked at the screen, and I saw that it was from New York, so I picked it up and then I was told that I was laid off. Um, so at that particular time, I was like, what am I gonna do? I'm about to have a baby, like I need to press pause on this whole situation, but um, I had to figure out what to do, you know, and uh, I was figuring, I was talking to my wife, and like if I was designing t-shirts for all these other people, like successfully, well, I guess I got laid off, but <laughs> that's more economical hardship. Right, right, right. Um, I can't take credit for that, like, you know, yeah. but um, so my wife said like, why don't I do it, you know, for myself? Yeah. And I don't know if I had the courage to do it, like, just by myself and my own thought, you know, but with my family's support, I was able to kind of um, put some ideas down, you know, and that's how Human Catalyst was formed. So it's been six years, uh, 2012? Uh, yeah, yeah. Ooh, okay, so you've survived six years in a field that's always constantly changing. Fashion is never the same from one year to the next. Sometimes trends change in a month, you know what I mean? Um, and, and one of the questions that I definitely wanted to get to is what are some challenges that you've come to face as someone who creates clothing, someone that creates designs in a, in a field that's always changing, a field that can change in the next month and whatever you just came up with might not be as popular? I think the biggest challenge that you have is um, trying to work around trends and trying to be a predictor of that. Like, um, but I think the difference is there's some people that have clothing brands and they just... Uh, they just use their computer and like type out fonts and like that's a wrap. And so, amazingly, like some people are successful at it. Yeah. There's also some people that um, pay their little brother's friend from high school that knows how to draw, and they kind of like have the business mind, I guess, and like yeah. just kind of just make shirts with no substance and just uh, like follow that. Yeah. Kind of like Forever 21, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Forever 21. No, I'm not no, trying no. to like. Uh, I agree with you. Some of their designs are. But um, like when you go when you look at Forever 21, you know where they got their inspiration from, yeah. and as a current trend, they're just able to do it fast. And I think the difference is, um, as a designer, if you can really wholeheartedly feel that what you make is what like what you're about, and you convey your message, and you just try to stay on trend with yourself. Yeah then you have no choice but to continue, you know what I mean? Like, you're not gonna go away just as long as you're true to yourself and keep on making what you enjoy, you know? But it's hard, because sometimes, like, the economy, they want you to make some really basic stuff, right, but, um, right. you know, that's, that's, uh, I, it's, it's hard to do as an artist. Right, like, yeah, I think the more minimal it is or the, the more you're catering to the trends, the less of yourself you're putting out, so it's really cool seeing that you're like sticking to your guns, and if anything, your designs have gotten a little more like complex over time. Because like comparing the human tea that you that I first saw on Dino and and, and Brain to the one that you just released, uh, the Lucky Foot tea, uh -huh. that was really tight. Just seeing like, oh damn, like it was just font at first, 
And now he's like going full out, like putting the rabbit's foot. That was really cool. Um, and it's interesting to hear you say that like, like brands like Forever 21, like, yeah, they're putting out things that are fitting the trends and colorways that are maybe coming back or whatever, but they get to do it quickly. You have to be able to predict and not tailor yourself, but kind of do something that's sort of in that same direction, but still true to yourself. Um, and I wanted to ask you the same question, but towards marketing. Like, how do you, because Forever 21 is a big business. They don't have to really push their stuff out for people to come and see it. For you, how do you market your products and how do you decide how you're going to market a certain product as opposed to how you've done so in the past? Yeah, I think that's a hard part. Like, I always, I guess as a fan, um, going back to like Obey, you know, their early roots, um, I was always a fan of Obey, but also a fan of Shepard Ferry. Okay. And he was um, an accessible person. I think, like, fast forward a few years, like, he's not, he's no longer accessible. Um, he's very huge. And he deserves it. The difference is, like, Forever 21. I don't know Mr. Forever 21 or Mrs. Forever 21 or Miss, like, whoever owns it, I have no idea. But um, you can't really go and talk to them and be like, oh, I really liked your spring collection or something. The difference is, like, with me, I mean, people could DM me, people could email me, and I'll respond, you know? I think that's the difference. I, I think that's, like, the better part of supporting smaller brands. Um, you can access, like, the owner and kind of get to know, like, what it's about. Right. But I don't even know what Forever 21's about. I mean, I guess about being 21 forever, you know? And it's not to, like, knock on them. I don't mean to always mention them. Yeah. It's just um, they entered... They entered streetwear, you know. Um, I don't know if, like, streetwear's gotten so big, so I don't know if that's what you consider it, but um, they're definitely, like, a contender. Like, people's money, like, they get a piece of the pie, Yeah. you know, but you never get to know who it's about or what it's about. It's just um, you're just getting a look for an affordable price, which is fair, too. When you, um, when you make a product or when you come up with an idea, do you think of, like... How am I going to be able to? For because I keep saying this in regards to the to the tea that you that we just talked about the Lucky Foot tea. I thought it was such a cool idea that you're just like putting a rabbit's foot, even though it's not like a real. Yeah, rabbit. yeah. Like that's a really cool way to tie something in, and it provides an incentive for when you get that tea. Um, like for ideas like that, how do you decide that you're going to do that? Does the design come first? Does the idea come first? What happens? I think as a smaller brand, like. You're able to do those things. Well, I guess if you're a big brand, you can too. Um, I used to work for a really large company. Um, they were a streetwear brand. I'm sure many of you have clothes in your closet somewhere from them. Um, one thing that they taught me is that make what you make what you like, and like guaranteed, there's people out there that are like you. And um, that's always in my head, you know. And I was thinking when I did this lucky, the lucky. Uh, create your own luck shirt with a rabbit's foot, I was thinking that would be so cool if it, it actually came with a rabbit's foot, you know? If I had a bigger budget, it would be like an HC rabbit's foot. Yeah, that would be tight. You know? Um, but I did the packaging and everything, and I took a lot of time on it because I thought, like, the experience of it, you know, there's, like, a bonus um, of, like, getting that, getting that thing, looking at the packaging, like... To me, it's about the experience more so than even wearing the shirt. Yeah. It's like products, um, you know, like you can go to these stores and just buy something because you have 15 bucks or whatever, but 
if there's something about it and actually like brought joy, you know, you can't really put a price on that, you know. And to me, like to be able to provide that bonus, I think was such a good, um, good deal. It's more about the experience. If it brings one person joy, then it was worth it, you know. Ooh, interesting. And and you kind of touched on something that would provide a really good segue. Um, just you talked about detail and and how you're really into detail down to the packaging, and how if that provides one person joy, like. That's, that's, a good, that's a good deed for you. Um, clothing at this point sometimes is all about details. And uh, from all the designs that you've created to the descriptions for the products on the website, because I was looking at that the other day, and like, you actually take time to put a description. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, like six ounce heavy cotton like fits to size. No, no, no. Like you're putting out like actual good substance in these, in these paragraphs for your products while also still describing what the product is. Um, how do you approach details? How do you decide how much detail you want to put into something? And has this always been the way you approach clothing? You know, I've always been in the, into the details. Like, um, I remember, you know, I remember buying a skateboard before that was like a city. Uh, it was a world industry skateboard, and it had a blank city. And the city came with a skateboard, or like a little packet of stickers. And you put the people kind of like in and out. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, In-N-Out yeah, has that um, little sticker sheet, yeah, and you yeah, put yeah. them all over In-N-Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like that with the city, but this had like bums, it had prostitutes, like you know, just really ridiculous stuff. Like but um, stuff, yeah. yeah, like skate stuff, and you know, just the little details like that. Like I was so blown away by that. So I think I've always been interested, especially like Japanese culture. Um, you'll buy a magazine, that's like twenty dollar magazine, but it ends up coming with like a bathing a beach ball or you know just something interesting that they just kind of go above and beyond and then it's not really about the magazine anymore it was about the experience of opening it up you know reading the details reading these little descriptions um, to me I find joy in that you know and I, that trips me out that you even read it because uh, sometimes I just write stuff and I don't even know if anyone really reads it or they just pick up the shirt so it's cool. Like I'm glad that you at least read it. And yeah, no, I was I was looking at the one of the teas that you released recently. I don't remember the name of it, but it's like a cream colored tea. There's um, I think it's the Try It. Uh, wait, which one? The it's like um, there's two people fighting on the. Chest. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the Try It tea. Uh, no, it's the Nun. It's the Nun tea. Like oh, the um, tea. don't start none. Oh, won't be yeah, none. Yeah. 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 When I read that description, I was like, yo, this is tight. Are they all like this? And then I looked through them, and they, they all have, like, substance to it. I was like, damn, like, he really cares about the detail in his products, t down to, like, the product description. That's crazy. Because even on some, like, smaller brand websites, like, they don't, like, they do put up their products, and they do have their website laid out in a certain way, but they don't put, like, a description like that. Um, and it's really interesting, like, not that I'm comparing or anything, but it's just like, damn, like, to me, that sticks out, you know? Um, Speaking of, you mentioned quite a few brands so far up, up to this point. Um, I want to know personally if you have any like, inspirations, any brands that you look up to or any brands that you personally respect that you wear that you're like, damn, like, what they're doing is something that I can feel like, inspiration from. I mean, I've always been a fan of Stussy. Yeah. Like, if you look at all their stuff, it's always been clean. Yeah. It's always been very timeless. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think that it takes a lot of money to run these larger businesses like the clothing brands and they run into that problem where they start chasing the fads and then I think they have no choice but to sink and some of them their objective is to make the most money they can and move on to the next brand um, 
But it's hard when it's when you're an artist and you you have like a feeling for the brand. It's kind of like even if you got good at some other dance, you're always gonna love breaking. Like that's that's a passion. And I think as a designer, you know, um, what I do is a passion as well. It's a long-term thing. So like these brands like Stussy, that's very inspirational. That uh, well, it's a trip. Like they've been running the same design for as long as they've been Stussy. And it works, and like you always see it, like oh, that's new. Yeah. Like I don't know how they do that. That's like magic. Yeah, you know? no, honestly, when and, uh, they have, you can tell like for what not what time period, but like when someone got this product because of the colorway that's on. Yeah, yeah. Like, but it's still ultimately the same Stussy logo. And when you look at that, it's like damn, like yeah, that's crazy. That's a money maker. Yeah, that's a money maker, right? Like it's iconic at this point. Yeah. Kind of like Obey. You mentioned that. Yeah. The, um, Obey was big back in the day. I don't think they're as big now as. They I I think big. that. I think it's weird. Like uh, in your mind, you'd probably think they're not as big, but I bet you they're ten times bigger, really? like worldwide. Like, oh, okay. you know what I mean? But yeah, it's yeah. not as cool because it's at Zoomies and yeah. all these other stores. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it became too accessible. Right. But I guess like, I'm sure if you were to look into his like bank account, yeah. you're gonna say, oh, he's doing fine. Right. But when you felt he was big, it probably wasn't as stacked. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes being cool doesn't pay. Ooh. You know, and um, unfortunately, like that's the case for a lot of things. Right. Um, and another lo- another brand that I want to talk about is Supreme. Supreme is something that um, I think maybe has surpassed clothing, and a lot of people see Supreme as kind of like not so much the clothing; it's like the exclusivity of it. Like if you have Supreme, you're you're something, right? You're, I, you're I think Supreme is like. It has become something where it's just purchased to flex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like flexing power. Yeah. And um, I, it's weird. When you see, like, a Supreme collector and they have actual, like, they really collect Supreme, you'll see some shirts that don't even make sense. Like, <laughs> like it's not even the box logo. It'll be, like, a little kid, you know, eating a lollipop and, like, something really weird. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, what shirt is that? Supreme, bro. Like, you don't know, you know? But, like, yeah. but... Those guys are like hardcore collectors. So right. I think at the heart of Supreme, it's it's really good. But if you're talking like box logo, that red box, you know, it's it's become something completely different. Yeah. Like a whole different world, you know. I guess like uh, a good example is like Nike. You know, like there's more shoes than there than Jordans. Right. But to some people, like Jordans, that's all there is. Right. You know. And Jordans have. Been it's big enough to be its own brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the box logo is big enough to be its own entity. Right. Yeah. And um, Supreme is kind of known for dropping like weird objects with every yeah. drop. Like, oh, the Supreme Fire Hydrant, the Supreme Brick, that was a big one. And it's like, I think when they, when they did that, I think that's when you realize like, people just buy Supreme just to flex. Like, yeah. I'm going to buy this brick. What do you need the brick for? No, just to have a brick. You know, it's yeah, because Home Depot, they're way cheaper. Right, you know? exactly. But the fact that the logo is on it is like, damn, that box logo has become a symbol. I yeah, it, definitely. Um, speaking of products and, and, and individual products, I want to talk to you about your products. Is there any products that you're, is there any specific product that you're really proud of and that you look back on as being like, like this is my favorite that I've designed. This is my favorite that has pushed me creatively. And is there a product that you wish you could go back and make again and kind of uh, maybe alter the design or alter the colorway or print it on a different kind of shirt? You know, for me, like every single piece that I've put out artistically, I guess because I'm doing it and I'm not buying it. I'm not buying the art from like someone. So I had 
the final say in everything. And then, as a side note, I also screen print everything myself. So um, basically, everything I've had my hands involved in it. Um, every single piece was meaningful to me. Every single shirt that I see someone wear, like I physically touched that shirt. So. Um, it's weird, like, as a screen printer, that's a different story, because there's some that are just hard to print. Yeah. Um, and if I can go back, I wish I was a better printer. Mm. You know, but as far as the art and everything, like, I think I'm proud of everything that I've put out. Um, I wouldn't say there's anything in particular that I wish I can go back. You know, I would just want to move forward. Like, I, I'm hoping that the more support I can get, the more I can dip into, like, cut and sew. You know, um, not necessarily like clothing per se, but like bags and things like that. Um, I've always had an interest in like accessories and, you know, so like I'm, I'm hoping that I can move forward into that. Okay. Which would be the next logical step, right? Because you have tees, you have shorts now, um, you have hats. So then I think the next step would be accessories and maybe even make like socks, dude. Like you can do or bricks. Things. Yeah, yeah, or bricks at this point. <laughs> yeah. Just make bricks. Stepping stones. <laughs> Um, so <clears throat> you've been here six years. You've done this human catalyst thing for six years. Is there any moment that sticks out as being like a highlight of your career um, in, the, in the graphic design world? Or um, a follow-up question to that, if there isn't a moment, um, is there something that you would like to reach at some point in time at the end of your career? Is like, there's something like, oh, I want to see B-Boy rocks right wear my shirt at Red Bull BC1. Like, is there anything that you see like that? You know, I've never been, like, like I've never dreamt of anything like that, like, yeah. celebrity-wise. Um, I guess one of the biggest things that's happened is me opening my store. Okay. You know, um, when was that? that was two years ago. So um, I was actually supposed to have a two-year anniversary in July. Okay. But I've been so busy, so I'm going to do it in September. So it'll be the 2.2. Um, but uh, for me, I think it's like to see someone come into the store and it brings them joy. I think that that's like more meaningful than even like, you know, crazy legs or something wearing my stuff. Like as cool as that would be, like even if it was someone just that really enjoys it and wants to ask questions about like, why'd you do this? Why that color? Or interest in it, that, that's worth it for everything, you know? Um, so you mentioned, you mentioned your family a lot on this podcast. Um, for you specifically, like, what kind of inspiration do you draw from them? And um, if, if you are okay with saying that, like, how many members of your family do you have? Uh, how does that all play a part in this whole human catalyst story? There's 832 members in my family. Ooh, okay. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> you're like, oh, your dad is busy. No, I'm just joking. There's, um, let me see, there's five of us in my household. Um, and actually, like, our life's a little different. So my stepson is disabled. He's in a wheelchair. Um, and, that you know, that makes it a little different, like, accessibility. And then... Um, it's just it's just different, but I guess how I get inspiration from them is like they really believed in me. Like when you get laid off from your job, I think you feel the lowest. Well, no, probably getting fired, you probably even feel lower. Right. But when you're laid off, it's not like you did anything wrong. 
but for some reason just things aren't going right. You could easily like fall into this deep pit of just, not depression, but just like, what do I do, you know? I think to have my family like believe that um, I'm able to do something as as like uh, crazy as like starting my own brand from nothing and supporting it, um, wanting to wear it and like family members. You know, I even have family members that like I started a website and then they ordered shirts, you know? And it's like, I just saw you on Thanksgiving. Why didn't you just ask for one, you know? But they just want to support. I think once you have all those people that really like believe in you, you have no choice. Well, I mean, you should believe in yourself first, but um, it really like assures you that there's people that care, you know? And so I think they're like the backbone, I guess, family, you know? Um, has there been any moment where you've questioned whether you should continue doing Human Catalyst or not? Oh, definitely. I, I think it's like an up and down, you know? Um, but what's crazy is like, especially with like breaking culture, you know, um, it's connected to some people that like, I mean, breaking is like worldwide, you know? So there's people that have tagged me on pictures where they're like in the middle of Brazil or something, you know? And it's like, how did I even get from Chile Vista to Brazil, you know? Yeah. And that's really cool. But I mean, it's through, it's through like things like breaking and like the people I've met a lot through hip hop, you know? But, uh, yeah, it's just crazy. It's like, it's, it's grown quite a bit. So uh, for you specifically, looking forward, what would be the next step? So you have your, your storefront, you have all your clothing now, and then you mentioned making accessories, but I guess in the grand scheme of things, what would be the next step forward? You know, the grand scheme of things, like my biggest dream, honestly, like right now, uh, the store, if it's open, it's me running it. Yeah. My dream is to employ people. Like if, if I could really do it big, I mean, there's so many good people that just don't have access to, um, I guess, like, healthy jobs, you know? Like, yeah. uh, I'm not saying, like, a career or anything like that. I may be a career, but I come across so many people that come into the store and they're like, hey, I went to an interview. Where'd you interview at? And it was like, oh, man. You know, and they're trying to get anything. There's some that are willing to do anything, you know, but they just need to get their foot in the door. Yeah. But they're really good people. If I could hire every good person I've met through my store, I would have like 200 employees, <laughs> you know, and I would, I would love to do that as long as like I can afford to feed my family, you know what I mean? But it takes time to get that. But I would say like dreams wise, yeah, I would love if, if it goes from a store and then it ends up being like distribution and things like that, I would love to have an office and like give people a chance to pursue their dreams, feed their families. Like that would be the goal. You know? That's probably the least expected answer that I've heard this entire time. Oh, um, really? Yeah, because I would have expected you to be like, oh, like um, I want to open more than one store. Like I want to have a store in, in North San Diego and a store in Arizona or whatever. But saying like saying that you would like to employ people and like provide jobs and opportunities for other people that have, like, that have come into your store and shown that they're good people. Like, that's interesting. I, I did not expect that, to be honest. Um, damn, that really took me off. Uh, okay, so moving forward, um, you mentioned like continuing to support and staying in the b-boy community. Is there any other communities that you would like to support? Um, you mentioned skating. Have you ever tried to get into that? You know what, skating is like, I know a lot of good people from like, uh, like skate culture, yeah. but I feel like 
I feel like there's a lot of culture vultures yeah. in skating. You know what I mean? And economically, they're doing quite fine, <laughs> like on their own. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, I don't really mess with it. I have friends that have companies and businesses, and um, I'll support them if they ever need me to support them yeah. in that venture. But um, I felt like breaking, like, like they're a, I don't know what you call them. Like they they don't get the support that they deserve. So like um, I'm like honored to do it, and I don't understand why there's not more people yeah. out there. Um, you know, like like I said, I've met so many like really good people. Yeah. Like through the events, like I don't know why there's not a ton of people out there. It's surprising. I feel like maybe we're just not as mainstream as, as skating is, and and maybe we don't have such notable figures that could push it out and and are like worldwide known that could be like, oh hey, this is breaking. Like this is what the community is about. The closest thing we have to that is Red Bull, and even then, that's such a skewed form of what we're doing. I feel it's like so extreme. You have like yeah. a lot of money being thrown into it in one place, yeah. and very little money like elsewhere. Yeah, that's true. It, it, if it's not a big brand, it, we're not seeing a lot of money, um, and that's that's ultimately like the story for Breaking right now and where we're at. Um, but. Have you ever wanted to like be a vendor in another city? Have you ever wanted to like vend at a big event like freestyle session? I don't know if you've done that up to this point. Like, what is that? What is that like for you? You know, I I do, but like one of the biggest things for me is like you know, I'm like many pounds overweight, so I can't break. You know, like I'm not I'm I appreciate the culture. I appreciate all the dancers for what they do. But like, I definitely don't want to come off like I'm a culture vulture, like right. infiltrating through the back door of breaking or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, everything that I've done has been very organic. Like, um, for example, I wanted to do your event, not necessarily because um, of the event itself, but like through conversation and meeting you and everything. Like, I support what you do. Yeah. I support this podcast. I support what you're doing for the culture. Like, I appreciate that, Dino. Um, Dino and Piggy and everything they do, like, I support, like, their dream and what they do. You know what I mean? Um, also, like, uh, I don't know if you know um, Matt Phelps, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, he was, when I first did a jam, he was the first person to ever purchase anything from me and was like, wow, this is cool. And, like, really? Because everyone else didn't even, like, talk to me. You yeah. know what I mean? So, like, and I've kept that um, relationship. And... I think it's like all these people, you meet them. So it's like I want to support them. So if they happen to go to Brazil or something or they happen to go to Singapore or something like that and they need me to go with them and support them somehow that way, I would love to do it. But my dream isn't to just show up in like Bangkok and be, where's my table? I'm going to sell you some shirts. You know what I mean? Like, You know, it's, it's more about the experience. Um, I guess Human Catalyst is built off people and relationships. Okay. Like, if there's anything you can get out of it, it's it's not about the clothes, per se. It's really about supporting of the people, okay. you know? That's a good way to start bringing it to a close. Um, one last question, and, and I think this is probably a really important question for anybody that's listening. Um, what is one piece of advice that you would give to anyone out there that's trying to create a clothing brand or trying to be a designer for a clothing brand? I think if you want to be a designer, you want to be a clothing brand. You gotta think, you gotta think things through. Um, a lot of people have this idea where, you know, if I sell six thousand shirts a month, 
multiplied by $80 and all this stuff. And if Supreme sells a shirt for $50, you know, I could sell mine for $48. But you can't. Like, it doesn't work that way. It's really, um, I think it's really about you believing in yourself. And if there's something that you really want to do, you just got to push for it. And like, honestly, at the end of the day, no one's going to believe in it more than you. So if you're like doubting yourself um, or you need other people to hype you up, you can't really count on them. Like, honestly, you're going to have like 10 friends that are like, oh, that's the best thing I've ever seen because they want a free shirt. And I don't even know why. Like, I don't even know if they're going to wear it. They might use it to dry their car when they wash it or something. Like, they might sleep in it. I mean, like, I've given stuff to people and like, I see their grandma wearing it, you know, and you're like, like, why, why did you want that? You know, like people are a trip. They just want free stuff. So if you can like weed them out and I guess have tunnel vision and like pursue your dream, um, eventually one day it will work out, but you got to believe in yourself. Like you can't count on the people or your family because that's very skewed, you know? Yeah. Wow. That was, that was a good way to close it. And that was a very real thing you just said. Like a lot of people do look for free stuff. Well, because grandmas need pajamas. Right, that's true. You gotta, you gotta keep, you gotta keep grandma fresh. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, Russell, thank you, thank you for being on the podcast. No, thank, thank you, you so much. All these questions um, really went in depth, and I think I was surprised with a lot of your answers. Um, real quick before we go, uh, do you have any plugs? Do you want to give any shout-outs right before we head out? You know, I want to thank Good Vibe Tribe. Um, yeah. They just opened their studio down in Benita, California, which is a neighbor to Chula Vista. Um, they do a lot of events and. Very like-minded. I, I think they're very supportive of like dance culture um, and like local b-boys and stuff. So, you know, like any small business, I think it's so good if people, um, I guess, understand what it takes to open these businesses and appreciate the things um, that they do. And then, I guess, shout you out as well, like this podcast, um, to give people a platform to to maybe be aware of things they didn't know. Maybe people just see me as the guy that's always like with a bunch of shirts on a table at events and like to actually know I have a voice or something. Cause you, like it's a trip, B-Boys. So many of them want to stop by the booth, but they just look with the side eye. Like they, they don't come by unless uh, no one else is looking and they could talk to me privately. Right. And like I've met a lot of really cool people that way too. It's just weird as far as the culture, you know, um, but yeah, like I think just, you know, I guess a shout out to like all the dancers that are doing it. Um, Unfortunately, you know, like the world may not um, support your guys' pockets like economically, but I think that there's a few people that do, um, that do understand like the dedication and hard work and they appreciate it. So like... I guess make sure you appreciate them as well. I'm not just talking about myself, but like um, there's a lot of people that like go out of their way to uh, to make these things happen. Right. You know, these jams and even the people like behind the scenes making them happen. Um, like shout out, uh, you know, B Girl Blast. Blast, that's a big one. Like she's super young with a really big heart, and you know, like the minute she says. Hey, would you be willing? I would say yes. Like, because I'm so proud of what she does, you know, and that's brought a lot of people. Um, she does fundraising jams and she like cherry jams and she she makes things happen for 
for people that are not even in the community. Yeah, she yeah. Really looks outside, and then I think that's something very honorable for someone her age. Yeah, and, and I, someone I think was doing it at our age, like that's a very selfless cause. Yeah, I think that opens some doors to um, to a lot of new people too. You know. Yeah, that's very true. And then, um, but yeah, I, like I want to shout out all the all the b boys, all the b girls that have supported my dream. Um, you know, not even necessarily financially, but just saying like, hey, that's cool, or even a like on IG. Yeah. You know, I appreciate it. I appreciate the follow. I appreciate the conversation. Um, San Diego culture, for sure. Like, I appreciate everyone that I've met. And, like, trust me, I, I'm a small business. Like, I know who all of you guys are. Like, you know, I can't name everyone, but I appreciate everyone. Um, so where can people find you if anyone's listening to the podcast and they don't know where, to, where you're at? Where can um, people find you? you can find me at uh, Human Catalyst on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, same way. Or... Uh, you can go to hcatalyst.com or human, thehumancatalyst.com. And you can also uh, find me at 263rd Avenue in Chula Vista. Um, but I'm only open on Saturdays because I'm trying this new millennial uh, mumbo-jumbo. <laughs> All right. So to anybody listening out there, come by, find Russell, buy some Human Catalyst clothing, and uh, hopefully you can see him at a jam. Uh, stick around, listen to the next episode, which is going to be the Inquiry Intermission featuring Russell as well. We have some listener submitted questions to get to and to everybody listening at home thank you for listening and uh, stick around for the next episode of the breaking ground podcast peace